Okay. So before we get started on this week's discussion, I want to tie up some loose ends from last week. I had a couple people stop me and ask me about the cats and how the cat story ended, if you were here last week. And, and what I want to tell you is that no cats were harmed in the development of that story. All the cats are well. They are fine. They are still kind of working things out. You can feel, still feel the tension in the air when they make eye contact. And they sit across the room from each other and they just stare, this piercing stare. So that should be a bonus for you because you get to hear, I'm sure, another installment in the continuing saga of the cat integration at the Starnes house so you can laugh at our pain. It's okay. It's okay. But this, this week... Um, this week, we're going we're gonna to switch gears a little bit. Um, the big challenge at the Starnes household this week was, and I know this is going to blow your mind, is a broken dishwasher. That's the big challenge at our house this week is a broken dishwasher. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, there are dishwashers in the house, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Ones, yeah, right, you get that? How many of you here grew up without a dishwasher? Right! So clearly, for thousands of years, people have managed to wash dishes without an automatic dishwasher. Is that correct? Yes, okay. But this week, in ours, our house, it, it, it died. And we kind of had been watching it. Some of the lights were working, some were not working. We kind of knew. But it did. It died. So we ordered one. We have one coming. So let me finish that story. It will end well, I hope, on December 5th when we get a new one. Because uh, that was the only way we could get the color we wanted in the price we wanted right? So we ordered one, it's on its way. But in the meantime, for the next two weeks, weeping and gnashing of teeth because we have to wash all of our dishes. Who said paper plates? Jerry Culp. I, I understand that's a viable option, but you can't cook a casserole in a paper plate, right? So there are things that you just need dishes for. There's no getting around them. And quite frankly, I hate plastic forks because I'm forever breaking them, right? And then I have to find the tong. Anyways, all right. So the point would be the first night we go to wash the dishes and what we're doing is together we're washing the dishes as a family. So we wash, rinse, dry, and put away. Four people, four jobs. Makes sense, right? Well, on the first night when we decided we needed to do it that way, there was just this, oh, I can't believe I have to wash dishes. Why do I have to wash dishes? I hate washing dishes. This is terrible. Isn't there a way to fix this? And then my wife said, Rob, shut up and go wash the dishes. <laughs> okay. I didn't say that out loud, and she didn't say that to me, so let's be clear. But I thought it. I did. Now, my sons especially the younger one, he did say what I was thinking. So as I throw him under the bus, I'm not, because I was thinking the same thing. Why do we have to do this? And it's a trivial thing, right? A broken dishwasher really is a trivial thing. It's nothing. You, you can make that work. People made it work for thousands of years. You can make it work lots of different ways. You can buy paper plates, right? You can go out to eat every, every meal. No, not in my house. Not. Huh? Ugh. 
Okay, that was not even on my radar as an option for solving this problem. The, the, God, that's, almost, that's almost as bad as Thursday last week in her peanut butter and hot dogs. I'm still thinking about, huh? That's, it's worse than peanut butter and hot dogs? I don't know. I got my concerns. So anyways, it's a relatively trivial thing. It really, really is. But my reaction and the reaction of my, my sons um, kind of highlights something, I think, about human nature. And that's that we often do not appreciate what we have until we no longer have it. Okay? And, we, and, and a dishwasher, again, is trivial. But, you know, we do it with our cars. We, we expect and hope our car to get out and run in the morning and go and do what it needs to do and be there, except when it doesn't. And then your car is now the spawn of Satan, right? <laughs> you hate your car. You're mad at your car, right? I have, a, I have a friend who says that cars are of the devil because of what they cost you, what you have to invest in them, and how unreliable they are. And yet you have to have them. That's why he says they're evil. Okay, whole other discussion. But we do it with cars. We, you know, we also do it with people. We have people that are, are blessings in our lives, that you know, our families and our friends. My, my sons this morning, if you missed it, Barb Miller got a show of my sons trying to beat the daylights out of each other in the church building this morning over the pews, right? Maybe they'll rethink next time, Okay now that they've been called out for it. But one of the challenges that we have as parents is trying to get them to recognize that they, are, they can be and should be a blessing in each other's lives. And this time that they have together is time they will never get back. Good luck explaining that to siblings as teenagers, right? Not just my kids, but any set of kids, right? How many of you had a sibling that you fought with all the time? Right? Okay. And so, and so this, is a normal, this is a normal occurrence, and you don't realize the blessing that they are until they're not there anymore. And that could be that, you've, that they've, they've passed on. Or it could be that, you know, my brother lives in Austin, Texas now. I see him once every three or four years. I get to see my brother. Because he's got a family and I've got a family and we're busy and we don't live anywhere near each other. We do it with people. We even do it with our, the blessings that God has showered upon us and, and with respect to our very faith and salvation in Jesus Christ. We forget how valuable it is. And we don't treat it with the value that it has because it is human nature to lose sight of the many blessings we should be grateful for. Adam and Eve did it. It starts early, right? They were in the Garden of Eden living in perfection, right? Wanting for nothing. But over the time that they were there, and we're not clear how long they were there, but it was, it was a minute. They were living in this perfection. At some point, they forgot how good they had it. Maybe they just didn't know how good they had it. And somehow, I think that's part of our problem. We don't know how good we have it. We um, throw millennials under the bus a lot. Shouldn't, though. We shouldn't. Uh, because they, they don't often really know how good this is, right? 
How many of you have lived through the depression or are alive in the depression? It's a different world, right? We're in a very different place than we were 60 years ago. We don't know how good we've got it. And that even includes us who have lived through some things, been through wars or been through difficulties or been through challenges, even after, over the course of time, we lose sight of how grateful we should be for what we have. So Adam and Eve did it, right? They lost sight of, of what they had. Um, who else in the Old Testament? God is forever saying this to His people. He said, Israel repeatedly lost sight, right? They're, they're, Moses is leading them across the desert with God in, right in front of them. And yet they turn around every three seconds and complain and say, can we go back to being slaves again? Right? Jesus even tells a story in Luke chapter 17 about 10 people he healed. 10 people that he brought healing to that had had illnesses their entire lives and he healed them and he cleansed them. And it says this, it says, while traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going... They were cleansed of this leprosy, this this thing that was holding them back, the thing that was destroying them. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned. He didn't make it to the priests. And with a loud voice, he gave glory to God. And as he fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus said, were ten not cleansed? Where are the nine Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. I think often, whether we realize it or not, when it comes to gratitude for the many blessings we have, dishwashers, on up through people, and even our salvation in Christ, we have more in common with the nine than we do with the one. We lose sight we forget. And so I've gone to the lengths to talk about that because the rest of this sermon is based on that presupposition. It's based on the idea that we can own the fact that we have a problem maintaining a sense of thankfulness and gratitude for the blessings that we have in our lives. Can we agree to that? Can we agree that that's a difficulty? Now, some of us, I know a few people that are so aware of the blessings they have in their lives, and you know them. They're joyful all the time. They're joyful at anything that might happen, good or bad, because what they see is they're not just glass half full people, they're glass 90% full people, right? I can make use of the liquid in there, I can make use of the air in there too, right? They're so optimistic, they've got something, that's, they have far less trouble than me. They're the one of the 10 that were healed, that has the ability to see that and see the blessings and maintain their gratitude, their faithfulness in the Lord, no matter what comes. But for me, and I think for most people, as I look around the world, I think we have more in common with the nine. And so what we're gonna try to do is learn how to cultivate a heart of thankfulness. We're gonna spend just a few minutes this morning trying to work through that, especially in this season, right, with Thanksgiving coming up this weekend 
an opportunity to cultivate that heart within us, to cultivate and grow our sense of gratitude and understanding for the many blessings that, we are, that are showered upon us. Because if you're sitting here today, there are many blessings that have been showered upon your life or you would not be here. So we're gonna jump into Colossians. Colossians chapter four, two through six is what we're gonna work through today. And it says this, it says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray also for us that God may open the door for us to the word, open to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Our first lesson here, it starts in verse two. It says, devote yourselves to prayer and stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Um, I was talking to my wife earlier this week about ideas for an example here of, of how difficult it can be to stay alert. And, and, and the, one of the examples I gave is, you know how, how you know, when you're trying to pray and your mind just kind of, right, kind of floats off, or you're trying to pray before bedtime and you're saying prayers and you're trying to Pray, and the next thing you know, it's morning, the alarm's going off, right? And you don't know when that happened or how that happened. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Every time, is that what you said? That's what Heather said. Every time, story of my life, right? Why does something so simple? Because prayer should be simple, right? Why is it so hard to stay devoted to something like that? Now, some of you in here are gifted prayer warriors and have zero difficulty staying focused on the things of God in the moment. And those are the people I lean on and depend on because I know that, you know, you know who they are. If you ask them to pray for you, you know. You know they will pray for you without ceasing, without fail. They will pray for you deeply. And they have no trouble staying focused on the things of God. But the reality is, I think for a lot of us, we do fade off. We do fade off. Um, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is in the, the garden of Gethsemane, and he asks Peter, James, and John a simple task. You got one job, right? You got one job pray for me. That's it. One job, pray for me. Not complicated. And yet, Jesus comes back and finds them doing what? Sleeping. Not once, but three times. Three times! <laughs> really? All you got to do is pray, man. Just pray. Pray this. Pray knowing that I'm in great pain right now. Pray knowing that I need your support. Pray knowing that this is critical. And, and it's simple. I'm not asking you to give your life for this project. For me, I'm going to do it, right? I'm going to go through the pain. This is Jesus talking. I'm going to go through the pain. I'm going to go through all the hard work. I'm going to do this. All you have to do is pray for me. That's it. And they can't do it. 
I think sometimes when it comes to maintaining our sense of, of thankfulness and gratitude, it should be as simple as just recognizing how great we have it, and yet we can't do it. And so when Paul starts this, this uh, section of Scripture, he talks about praying, and he says pray with thanksgiving, make thanksgiving the cornerstone of your prayer time. And, and I think that's important for us as we develop and cultivate this idea of thankfulness and, and being grateful people is remembering that in our prayer time, thankfulness has to be a key part of our prayer. We're going to go into this. Uh, there's a system of, of such a prayer called an ACTS prayer, and I'm going to break down the acronym for you to kind of keep you... It's just an idea. It's just a plan. It's just designed to, to help us stay focused on following a similar pattern to what Jesus laid out and trying to make sure that we are praying in such a way that we maintain and cultivate this sense of thankfulness for the blessings that we have. The first, it's an ACTS. The first one is adoration. You tell God how amazing he is. Some of the greatest prayer warriors I know start their prayers with that, right? Jesus starts with that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Very first sentence, Holy, holy, holy are you, God. Right? Holy, holy, holy are you, God. We forget sometimes how amazing he is. The fact is, we have such a great gift. If you are, if you are here, right now, alive, breathing, we should be grateful to the Lord for that. Because there's no rule written in the cosmos anywhere that says any of us have to be here. You realize that, right? We take our own lives for granted so often, and we get so angry sometimes when things aren't going the way we want them to do, but do you not get just the fact that I'm here, and you're here, and that God has chosen to breathe a piece of his spirit into you to bring you to life, to take you from dust, because that's what Genesis says. He formed us from dust, dust that nuisance. Dust is useless. Dust has no value. And he breathes life into it by his choice. Tell me that's not an incredible blessing right out of the gate. Without anything else, you are blessed because you are alive. You are blessed because you have a soul. You are blessed because the Lord loves you and because he thought enough of you to know you before you were in the womb to breathe life and breathe a piece of his spirit into you and bring you from nothing to something. That is something I try to remind myself often I need to be grateful for because that is how great our God is and how powerful and wonderful he is. G.K. Chesterton says, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. We take life for granted or do we take life with gratitude? I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. I love that. Gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder by wonder. I think part of adoring God and knowing his greatness is to allow yourself to be awed by him, 
because he can do things and does do things and has done things and will do things that are totally beyond anything we could possibly explain. And that should give us a sense of awe and wonder. The next one is C, confession. Admit our sins. Those are things we try to avoid. We really do try to avoid that. I don't, I don't like reminding myself of where I've fallen short, do you? Nobody does. But there's something powerful in doing that when you're, you're praying to God. And, and I also, what's not in here that I want to say out loud is pray out loud. Pray out loud. There is value in these words coming out of your mouth. It reinforces the reality, the truth that we forget so easily. And there's also something about the person, we, the person whose voice that we trust the most in our lives is usually our own. It's our own. I trust my thoughts over anybody else's. I shouldn't always, but I do, right? Because if I didn't think I was right, I would probably change my mind to something else. There's value in saying these things out loud. So yes, it is okay to say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, you are, are amazing and incredible and outstanding, and I don't, I don't even have words for how awesome you are. It is okay to say that out loud. The reason that Jesus tells people to go off beside yourself and pray alone so that you do not make a show of it isn't so that you will be quiet and never say a thing. It's recognizing that you will say it out loud. You just don't need to do it to show off. You need to do it to connect with the Lord. Say it out loud. If your prayer life does not include saying out loud these things, you are missing out on one of the greatest blessings you can have in your connection with God. Say it out loud. And for those of us who say, I don't know what I'm going to say, that's okay. God knows your heart. The world's words will come, sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly, but they will come. So you confess, you admit your sins, you admit your challenges, you admit your need for Him. Nothing quite like maintaining gratitude if you recognize the need to have gratitude, right? We can look past our failings really easily and forget how blessed we are. The next one is thanksgiving, because you know we couldn't do a thing on giving thanks without getting past that, right? Thanksgiving, for the blessings in the midst of the storm. Garrison Keeler used to be a, uh, did Prairie Home Companion for decades on NPR, said, thank you, dear God, for this good life, and forgive us when we do not love it enough. Thank you for the rain and for the chance to wake up in three hours and go fishing. Man after my own heart. I thank you for that now because I won't feel so thankful then. It's true, right? If we've, if we've cultivated this sense of gratitude before the storm comes, because so often we wait until after it comes, if we've cultivated the sense of gratitude before the storm comes, does it not make it easier to navigate the storm? If we already are in a place where our heart is being reformed by the Lord, is it not easier to handle the troubles of life when they come? Because they will come. 
It's best not to wait until after you're in trouble. It's best to cultivate that before. And finally, supplication. That's just a big word that means make your request known to God. Make your pleas known to God. And interesting in this form of prayer, it is the last thing. How often do we sit down in prayer and if we do say something out loud, it's God, please help me. God, please help me. God, please help me. God, please help me. God wants you to do, do that. He wants you to trust him enough to ask him for help. But there's something wise about remembering who your God is before you ask him for help. And it's amazing if, if I follow it, this pattern, how by the time I get to this piece where I'm making requests known to God, how much of them fall away as, as the peace of God overtakes. As I remember who he is and I remember that he's covered all of my sins, both past and present, because I'm not perfect, right? And remember how thankful I am that, yes, I get to get up in the morning and see a sunrise. Yes, I get to kiss my wife before I go somewhere. Yes, I have, I have a furnace that works in my house, <laughs> especially when I look out the window and see frost on the ground, right? Praise God for that. That is a blessing, both simple and complex. A furnace is a simple thing. A partner in your life is not a simple thing. Do not take those things for granted. But if we're cultivating this thankfulness, it's much harder to lose sight of the blessings that we have. Next, we talk about intentional intercession. It says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak to the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And so that I make it known as I should. This is common in, one of, in almost all of Paul's letters as he reaches out to those that he considers friends and family and he asks for their support. He asks for their love. He asks for their prayers. He asks for anything they can do to help intercede on his behalf for the Lord, to help strengthen him, to help encourage him, to help him become and be the person that God is calling him to be in this moment. Paul, for all of his traveling, if you notice, Paul has friends in every major city, right? He's got friends everywhere. He doesn't stay very long, but he makes friends everywhere he goes. And I can't help but get back to Acts chapter 10 where Paul is, is beaten and left on the side of the road and, and for, left for dead by a crowd. And all it says in the scripture is that the other believers came around him and he got up and went back. They came around him, they prayed for him, he got up and he went back. Paul openly recognizes the importance of other people in his life and the blessing that they are to him. His letters are filled with, say hi to this person, say hi to that person. Please, please let them know that I care about them. Please let them know I want them to come to know the Lord. Thank you for doing this for me, and thank you for doing that for me. There's nothing quite like cultivating your blessings and understanding your thankfulness and who you and all the blessings you have in your life. There's nothing quite like reminding yourself of it 
by calling those blessings out and calling the people that are a blessing in your life out. You ever walked up to somebody you've known for years, haven't said anything to in a couple of weeks and said, I want you to know that you are such a blessing to me. I want you to know that when, when I was suffering from cancer, that you were there, that I could feel your prayers. And maybe I didn't say it at the time, but I want you to know what an amazing blessing you have been to me. That's wonderful for that person that you're reminding because maybe they needed it. Maybe God is leading you that direction. But you know, it's also wonderful for you. We live in a, in a world where Satan is successfully separating us from, our, from each other because that's his, that's his goal, right? If he can isolate us, he can take us down. It's that simple. We see it played out on Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Oh my goodness, I'm so old. Most of you young ones don't even know what that is, right? But some of you do, right? Or you see it played out on YouTube where, where a lion gets together and with, with their pride and separates the weakest from the pack and takes the weakest out, right? That's the scenario I'm trying to draw for you. Satan tries to do the same. And so we've convinced ourselves that friendship can occur through Facebook. It's okay, right? That it can occur in tertiary ways where I just say hi to you and just say, hey, how you doing? We're friends. That's good to know. And we bail out from each other. But do we stop to tell one another what a blessing we are to each other? Have you done that any time in the last month, week? Some of us have, right? And it's an encouragement to them and to you to remind yourself that your spouse is a blessing to you. Remind them often they are a blessing to you. Because for most of us guys, if your wife hasn't left you yet, she is a blessing to you. <laughs> As I see a lot of wives go, mm-hmm, see? Okay. Remember that your spouse is a blessing to you. Remember, and this is going to be a tough one, to tell your siblings that they are a blessing to you. Uh, right? The first time you do it, you will probably do it while gritting your teeth. But the truth is they are. Even if you fight with them, your sibling can be your partner in crime, right? Yes. My brother and I, you know, we fought like cats and dogs. My mom tells a story when we were, I was 14 and he was 12 of her literally sitting in the car one day and doing the math to figure out if she could leave and pay alimony and still survive. Because we were, right? A 14-year-old and a 12-year-old barking at each other and fighting and pushing each other and driving each other absolutely bonkers. But I tell you what, if somebody picked on him or I picked, somebody picked on me, guess where my brother was? Right next to me. And we were fighting them together. Your blessing, even your siblings, yes, even your siblings can be a blessing to you. Do not lose sight of that. 
because it's so easy in the midst of being next to them all the time and their annoying habits because, you know, younger siblings are really annoying, right? The older ones, we're perfect. It's the younger ones that have a problem. I just want you to know that. Sorry. Okay. So I did not get the laughs I was hoping for. So hit too close to home, apparently. So the siblings can be a blessing to you, and you need to remember that. Remind yourself and them that they are a blessing to you. You might be surprised at how much that changes your relationship, how that changes the way you interact with each other. Remind your coworkers of how much of a blessing they are to you. Kids, remind your parents how much of a blessing they are. Because we're often so busy being angry as teenagers. You're angry going, I can't believe they're making me do this. I can't believe they're making me wash the dishes. I can't believe they're making me do my chores. I can't believe they're not not letting me go to this party. I can't believe da-da-da-da-da-da. Remind yourself, Ryan Culp, what are you doing? He's got something hanging out of his mouth. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Candy cane, okay. Sorry. Y'all know, by the way, y'all know I have ADD, right? You get that? Okay. Remember, remind yourself that they can be a blessing unto you, that your parents, that your parents love you. And even though they seem like their goal in life or their job in life is to drive you bonkers, it's really because they love you and they desire what's best for you. And they want you to grow up and they believe in you so greatly. They believe that God has beautifully and wonderfully made you and that he has incredible things for you and they just want to help you get there. We are so blessed to have so many people in our lives and we lose sight of those blessings. Paul never did. He went out of his way to make sure he recognized those people and their value. Let us cultivate that heart too. Finally, choose, choose to cherish your blessings. Choose to cherish, I can't say that fast, choose to cherish blessings. There you go. Act, it says, act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Take time. Make moments count. So often I've, I've seen people... Um, especially over the last several months as, as I've, we've had so many pass away, so many funerals I've done that I've had people say to me, I wish I would have said this, or I wish I would have done that, or I wish I could have, right? And I want to say a couple of things. One, you don't need to feel guilty because it, if Jesus died for your sins, he also died for your guilt. <laughs> he died to watch out for your heart, Right? But those are moments you cannot get back, right? When someone is gone, they are gone, and you cannot get that time back. Make the most of your time. We spend a lot of time staring at 
devices. If we had to really look back at it, we'd go, I'm just killing time until. I'm just killing time until. I'm just ki Stop killing time. Time is one of your greatest assets. It's one of your most valuable assets. There is somebody you could call and say, I love you too, rather than watch Netflix. Amen. <laughs> there is someone you could reach out to or something you could do to bless somebody else. If you find yourself using the phrase, I'm just killing time, that, please let that be a trigger. Please let that be a trigger that you are missing out on opportunities to make the most of your time because you really are killing it. Time is something you don't get back for ourselves and with others. So in this holiday season, please, as you connect with more people than you usually connect with, more family and friends that maybe you haven't seen in days, weeks, months, or years, please don't roll your eyes and go, oh, I got to put up with Aunt Judy, she's going to squeeze my cheeks. It's going to drive me crazy. I had an Aunt Charlotte that did that. Anyways, <laughs> this is time you will not get back. Make the most of it. Make the most of it. He also says lead with love because he says your speech is always to be gracious, seasoned with salt. Lead with love. Your words matter. Before you say anything to anybody, remind yourself of the blessing they are in your life and then speak to them, Even when, especially when you're mad, especially when you're mad. Remind yourself. Season with salt, add to others. Add to them in your speech. Add to them in your actions. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Love them. Because we, we take care of the things that we believe to be blessings, do we not? If you believe something is a blessing in your life and you actually recognize that and you're thankful for it, you will take care of it. Right? People are that. If they are truly blessings in our lives, we will watch out for them. We will take care of them. We will add to them. We will strengthen them and we will love them. And tell them, if you love them really as a blessing, tell them who your God is. I saw an interview with several years ago with a, an atheist named uh, Penn Jillette. Do you know who he is? Yeah. Penn and Teller? Yeah. yeah? Penn Jillette is an atheist. He's a, they're magicians very famous magicians, and he's an atheist. And uh, he was talking about people handing him Bibles, Christians handing him Bibles and expressing their faith and telling them that, that they needed to know the Lord, he needed to know the Lord, and, and all of these things. And, and it was interesting what he said. He said, you know, it's not gonna work. That's not where I'm at, which is sad. But he said, you know, I never get mad at them for telling me because if you really believe this, if you really believe that this is the breath of life, if you have any care for me at all as a human being, and you believe that this is the source of life, why would you not tell me? Why would you not tell me? I think one of the 
greatest blessings. I can't believe I used an atheist as an example of what we should be doing, but I did. If you really believe that someone is a blessing in your life and they do not know the Lord, then do we really believe they're a blessing in our life if we have not told them? If we really believe what we profess, that this is the greatest message anyone could ever hear, do we not need to tell people? You're going to have a lot of opportunities going into the holidays with people that you don't get to see very often. And there's just going to be this little part of you that says, I don't know if I want to tell them or not. If you love them, should we not tell them? And the answer is, yeah. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. So, um, we're going to do... This is the, the end of the sermon. We're going to do our, our normal closing with prayer. And, but before we do, um, the teenagers, as you walk out today, some of our teenagers are going to have something for you to take with you, okay? Um, you can take a rock. Uh, you can take a piece of, a little pretty piece of glass, or you can take a Christmas ornament um, that supposedly is indestructible, although Ethan wants to test that theory, um, Right? Yeah, he does. Supposedly indestructible. But, but what I want you to do, if you're willing to take one on the way out today, is this. I want you to take one with you and keep it with you all week. And every day when you get up, decide and use this as a reminder to choose a person who's, bless, who's a blessing in your life and tell them they are a blessing in your life. For seven days. Tell them they are a blessing in your life. Now, there's low-hanging fruit because you're going to get up tomorrow morning and you're going to tell your wife, you're a blessing to me, right? And you better do that too, okay? That's an easy one. But challenge yourself at least once or twice this over the next week to tell at Thanksgiving that aunt that has been driving you crazy since... 1974, right? That you are a blessing, that the Lord loves you, right? Try a coworker, someone who's done something for you, has been amazing to you, that you've just not said, You're a blessing to me, and you've done something amazing for me, and thank you. One person every day for a week, not forever. This is not a permanent thing. And the only reason I'm having you take a rock or take a bead or take an ornament is so that you will remember. I was all about the rocks, except Heather goes, you know, girls' pants don't have pockets. What are they going to put it? So she said, you could get an ornament. We could put it on a string. And okay. So, right? Because girls' pants don't have pockets. Is that what I'm told? Some. I, I must tell you, I don't know how you get through life. I don't know how you manage to work that out. Because I could not make it without pockets. I'd be a hot mess. Okay, so as we close, we're going to close in our normal time of prayer. And as you leave today, please keep in mind the teenagers will be at the back with bowls. Please take a rock or please take an ornament or please take a piece of glass. Please take something that every morning you will get up and remind yourself 
to, to call somebody out as the blessing that they are. Remind them they are loved by you. Remind them that they are loved by God and give thanks. Okay, can we do that? One more thing before you start. Tonight we have a Thanksgiving service, yes? Seven o'clock this evening is our Thanksgiving service. It is, as, as Nancy said earlier, an open mic kind of thing. We will sing some hymns together. We will pray together. But I encourage you to come and give thanks even if it's to give thanks for somebody else in this church, that should be low-hanging fruit, right? That you can give ha- thanks to somebody else who's here. But give thanks for something, some blessing in your life. If not for the sake of them, but for your own sake. Because in order to cultivate this attitude of gratitude, we've got to practice being gracious. We've got to practice being thankful. We've got to practice recognizing our blessings. All right? So let's stand. Let's read off our prayers. All right. Susan Bechtel has asked for prayers for Lisa Valenga. She's starting uh, a new medicine for her, her cancer. Let's pray that this time there are no side effects, right? Let's pray for no side effects, that she has no issues and she's able to heal up. Uh, Peg Smith has asked for prayers for Amy Smith, uh, Dean Hess's, Mary's daughter, Mary Hess's daughter. Um, She had a a brain aneurysm, and she's in Riverside right now under sedation. So please pray for her. Uh, Nita has asked for prayers for Lori Siders. Uh, She had a setback in her, right? Am I right? In her double mastectomy, and we pray for her to be healed. We pray for, for God to do an amazing work. Holly has asked to pray for the troops and for young Daryl and for the students at Ben Logan after this week's tragedy. I have an update on Keith Reefstall. It looks like he probably will be coming home tomorrow. Praise God for that. Um, he is, uh, he's, his liver's great. His kidneys are great. Uh, his heart's having a little trouble, but they think they've got that under control. And that what? As, as of when? I talked to her at 7 o'clock this morning. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, so it looks like he's not coming home tomorrow. So what, that, what does that mean? Pray, right? Pray. Because, you know, talk about somebody who is a prayer warrior. Keith will pray for you. He will pray deeply for you. And Deb would, would give you the shirt off her back if you needed it in a heartbeat. Carol Klein has asked for prayers for her son, Lenny. Lenny is in uh, Riverside right now. He got care flighted there Friday night at 1 o'clock in the morning. He has a swelling pericarditis. He has a swelling in the sac around his heart, fluid in the sac around his heart. Um, He's in his mid-50s, so please pray for him. Uh, They've had a rough weekend. Uh, Her daughter got in a car accident and totaled her car, and it's been it's been very hard for them this week. So they have they have asked for prayers. They're not here this morning because she's sick too. So please pray for them this week. Please pray for them this week. Who else do we have that is in need of prayer? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So praise God they have filled the roles at your work and decrease your workload, keep things stable, right? 
but let's pray that that's a good fit and it works out well. Yes? Okay, we can do that. We can do that. All right. Anybody else? Yes. Okay. Okay. Kylie starts her second round of chemo next next week, right? We need to pray for her to stay strong. Yes, absolutely. Who else? Okay. I'll close this in prayer then. Father God, I am uh, I'm thankful. Thankful that you have given us all life. We take that often for granted. And yet it is one of your most gracious and incredible gifts. Lord, we have so many people in our lives that are blessings to us. And I pray that this week we will remember them. That we will cultivate this heart of gratitude and thanks for you, for the work that you do in our lives, for the amazing God that you are. And what you have repeatedly delivered us from. Pray that you will that we will be thankful for yes, even the little things like dishwashers that work. But also the people that you surround us with, those that love us and care for us, those that watch out for us, and those that do incredible things in your name. Lord, we are mindful today of those who are in need of prayer. We're mindful particularly for Ryan Smith and his family. Um, Most of us can't imagine such a tragedy. And I I pray that you will be with them, that your supernatural strength will empower them to keep them strong, to remind them to, to see somewhere in the midst of this tragedy you to see your graciousness and your love and your light. Lord, I I thank you so much for all the people in this room. We thank you for the opportunity to meet together. We take that for granted sometimes. Thankful that you have sent your son for us, our savior. And it is your mercy and your grace that None can, nothing can compare to. Father God, I pray that you will be with us as we walk out of here today, that uh, we will each take this simple little thing like a rock and uh, use it to remind us to thank those who are a blessing in our life, to call them out as blessings in our lives. To encourage them and to cur- encourage ourselves to maintain a grateful heart for all that we have. Thank you, God, for your strength, your mercy, and your grace. Please keep us safe until we meet again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you.